0: Are listening to Prime Venture Partner Podcast, where we bring you impactful moments from the lives of entrepreneurs, newest CXOs, and investors who are playing a key role in building digital India. Welcome to the Prime Venture Partners Podcast. We are delighted to have with us Mekin Maheshwari. He's been a very successful entrepreneur. He's had a long and a successful strength at Flipkart. Welcome Mechin, Mekin to the podcast. Thank you, Amit. Happy to be here. Mekin, why don't you tell us a little bit about your career journey pre and post Flipkart? Sure. So, I started my career, I did my
1: engineering from Bangalore, and post that, joined Yahoo when Yahoo Bangalore was about 20 people. Grew with Yahoo Bangalore, was there for about four years, worked in data long before it was cool to work in data, built mobile apps on SMS. And, but overall, found Yahoo to be too slow quit Yahoo in 2006 to join a startup as the first hire. The startup was called Eugenie. I was there for about three years. We were acquired by an American company after two years. And again, I felt that things were moving far too slowly. I quit Eugenie uh, and then was hoping to do my own startup looking for a business co-founder technology I get tech, but if only I could find a business co-founder, I could do my own startup. In the interim, I had I had attempted a couple of conversations with a couple of people and we'd approached some VCs who shooed us away. But uh, maybe that's for another day. 2009, I I was introduced to Sachin Nbini by Abhishek. Uh, Abhishek Goyal of Taxon who had joined Yahoo alongside me uh, back in 2002. And he was amongst the people who was pushing Axel to write the first check for Flipkart. And having done that, you uh, you saying, yeah, I technology, but given that you know tech, you know how to build teams, uh, this seems like a great opportunity. Why don't you go meet them? Met them and then we'll probably spend, as in, like they say, rest is history. Post Flipkart, I took what most people would call a gap year for a year to just understand myself a little bit. Understand specifically within education, what role could I play? And then started Udyam Learning Foundation. And Udyam's been now running for about three years, focused on building entrepreneurial mindsets amongst young people and enabling small businesses to succeed.
0: Sounds great, Mackin. I vividly remember us meeting around the 2008 eight nine time frame as you had just gotten the offer from Flipkart at a cafe coffee day on 100 feet road in Koromangla. Yeah. You directly said the rest, rest is history. Uh, And I remember some of the trade-offs you were thinking about in terms of making that decision. You also wrote a blog post about it. So can you talk a little bit about what made you join Flipkart? So I, I basically was finding ways to convince
1: myself and convince others why I should join Flipkart. I think at my gut, so the blog post was interestingly called Gut Feel Over Logical Reasoning. So to me, the decision was fairly clear. It was fairly obvious that I should be joining Flipkart, but to explain it to my dad and it's interesting there is a some short story to it that when I was 16 my dad had placed two offer letters that he had for himself in front of uh, the whole family which included me my sister and my mother and was asking for opinions so since then I've basically had this very strong belief that family has to be on board with career decisions I make and I was finding it really hard to convince my dad why I should be taking whatever a 50% pay cut to join an unheard of company where 75% of my advisors are telling me that e-commerce will not happen in India. So, so data nahi tha. Lekin, there was a strong gut feel that, hey, the people and the way they were approaching the problem seemed right. And it was mostly because of those two, right? that it was the people and the way they were approaching the problem. And the little bit of customer research that I had done, both myself as a customer and a whole bunch of other people who were their customers at that point.
0: Sound great. How about the uh, in the first few years as the CTO for Flipkart, right? You're just building out the company before we get to your uh, you know, head of HR role, which was itself a unique transition. Can you talk about the early days of tech and you know some of the lessons learned for many of our entrepreneur friends who might be listening to this podcast
1: sure so quick correction i never took on the cto title uh, I was vp engineering and then president engineering but huh, for most for most of the janta, there is very little difference between the two i was the technology leader at flipkart the early years like when i joined we were about five engineers a couple of interns and um, we had processes that were that didn't exist or they weren't There were little processes. For example, the website would go down for a couple of hours every night. And that's the database update uh, time where uh, you were able to update prices and so on. And how do you move from there to doing basics right? Like, hey, no downtime. That, hey, we can figure out ways in which you can do simple things, simple database setups of uh, master, slave, and then being able to read and uh, being able to switch over have load balancers. So bringing basic sanity in, moving to the right kind of data centers was the initial bit that, hey, as in we were a website, if we were a store that was meant to be 24-7 open, there should be no reason for us to go down ever, right? And I think that in some sense was the primary pieces. The next piece was how do we architect ourselves? And uh, I was very clear. And then over some time, uh, I hired fairly strong leaders who were equally clear that we needed to be uh, a service-oriented architecture, which allowed for different parts of the website, different part of the system to move at different paces. And, uh, and this also resonated fairly deeply with our people philosophy, which I'll talk about at length. where we wanted people who were entrepreneurs themselves, who were leaders, who were owners, right, to search is one person's baby. And they would take up they would look after search and they would write things so so that moved to service oriented architecture from a monolith a database design and laying those ground rules in some sense were were some of the early parts of tech design and tech foundation laying. I think after this we got to a point where we were clear that Flipkart is going to be massive and uh, it was going to be massive both in terms of demand and in terms of what we could build in terms of technology. And for that, we needed a very, very strong team. So I ended up spending a large part of my time in building a great team. And I count that as my largest professional achievement so far, which is the team that got built uh, and the culture that got built in Flipkart Tech between 2009 to 2012.
0: Sounds great. So if I look about technology and very early stage startups, you end up having two ends of the spectrum in terms of, you know, folks who are running technology, whether they're VP engineering or co-founder or CT or whatever the title may be, which is that either people will over-engineer, over-architect, you know, over-design the system for, you know, Six Sigma, Five9 reliability and so on, or others who will do it completely on Jugard, saying, look, let's get product market fit first. And, you know, if we live to see the day when things are scaling and growing, we can always architect, re-architect, rebuild, etc. What would you advise some of these sort of earlier stage entrepreneurs in terms of like, what's a good middle ground if, or, or either side of the spectrum? In my
1: opinion, it's okay to start either ways as long as you know how to get to the other end. If you do not have the capability to engineer and you are, you're just making do for finding product market fit, you'll find product market fit, but then the speed at which you need to be able to build needs to be solid. I think of building technology as a constant evolution alongside the product, not disparate from the product. So wherever in areas where you found product market fit, you better also find engineering fit. We don't necessarily talk about engineering fit or technology fit. At reasonable levels of demand, your technology should start becoming scalable, just like your demand has become scalable. Till the time your demand is not scalable and is not scaling, It's okay for you to experiment. It's okay for you to make do with MVPs, both in terms of product as well as tech. But as soon as you have PMF, you better have technology fit because then the demand doesn't wait and we have enough skeletons lying in the internet space of organizations that hit market fit but did not hit technology fit. MySpace is my favorite example of of a company that hit market fit so well that they collapsed or... Thanks to lack of technology they collapsed so yeah I, I wouldn't say that you have to start one way or the other
0: yeah i i would kind of agree with you except that i think even prematurely over architecting over engineering the product before you've got the customer the demand side the value prop really sorted can also be a little bit of a, a challenging Ingenious. thing for an early stage startup because you'll over engineer this but you have no idea whether this is going to work for the customers yeah. so. I think
1: think the challenge there is often about in the process of over-engineering the assumptions that you then don't let go because as you are designing and architecting and engineering without having real customer data without having real customer insights these are only your assumptions that are getting hard-coded into the system and often those assumptions then last far longer even in the face of real customer behavior. So, that is dangerous if you over-engineer too much. Otherwise, tech over-engineering, you can solve for. Just like tech under-engineering, you can solve for. uh, It's the mindset that you have about, oh, this is the right way of doing it or this is the wrong way of doing it. That may be a larger challenge.
0: Sounds great. Let's jump to the interesting comment you made that you consider one of your largest, if not the largest, professional accomplishment to be building great teams can you talk a little bit about you know what some of the lessons learned were what some of your best practices were in terms of building teams and things that you perhaps didn't get right as you went along this journey
1: yeah i think first was just to be ambitious that you can you can actually attract great talent and be proud of the mission that you are working for and go after and and pitch go after the best talent that you can find So something fairly simple hack that we did was like people who were doing well at Flipkart, we would ask them that who are the five best people that you worked with. And then we would go after them. So that's one piece. I think second is just having a fairly strong hiring process, which was thought through. And yeah, there are some stories that Amit, you might be interested in because in early Flipkart between 2009 and 2010, we ended up interviewing close to 25 people from Google and hired zero. And we got a very, very bad name for it. Right? Like, who, who are these people? Who, what is this company that interviews Google engineers and doesn't hire them? And when I reflect back now, that for most of our interviews, we had the technical pieces where a lot of the Google engineers excelled at, but we also had non technical bits. Where for building something like Flipkart, we were very clear that people should have iterated post product market fit. People needed to understand, engineers needed to understand the impact of their decision on customers and where and how that might have happened. And for whatever reasons that the 20 odd people that we interviewed, we did not really feel that on those areas, we were finding fitments. I feel that having an opinion on what you want to build, like ideally having a thought through opinion on what kind of an organization do you want to build and how, and then being able to implement it through processes, even if it stands against traditional wisdom that Google engineers are the best, I feel is an important piece or is an important lesson. So first important lesson is just think about what kind of an organization do you want to build, and then design systems and processes, especially hiring and performance around those core design principles.
0: Got it. So so let's sort of drill down into that a little bit, right? Um, Because you started so early, there wouldn't have been that many people that would necessarily have lived and seen the scale past product market fit. Now, of course, we see a lot of the you know, Flipkart and ex-Flipkart Mafia and some of the other, you know, internet, uh, large companies, right? Where people have come out and had learned that three, four, five years of Flipkart experience. But back then you perhaps didn't have a lot of that, right? So how did you then kind of build that early, you know, founding engineering group of, you know, 10, 20, 50 people?
1: We are basically looking for foundational things at a very, very covert, simple problem solving design and architecture level. Were people able to understand limitations of their thought of the specific solutions that they were talking about we weren't looking for people who knew a specific technology so we never hired a java engineer and we're basically looking for people who could solve a problem and know up to what limitations their solutions work so know the know the challenges with their solutions and ideally in some cases be willing to learn other methodologies or other ways in which the solutions could be scaled. I think it was primarily this bit of being able to learn because like you said, most people in India had not necessarily already developed large distributed systems. A lot of large distributed systems got built, barring a few internet companies that were there. So I had done some at Yahoo. We'd we'd seen some other companies do a little bit, but there were very few of those. So scale was a lot of Flipkart engineers saw scale for the first time in Flipkart. But that was okay as long as they, they were willing to learn. They had this attitude towards understanding the why of things. This is a good solution, but why is this a good solution? And up to what limits is this a good solution? So while interview conversations were, uh, if I may leap. Uh, they were often Socratic in nature. Right? Just because something is a best practice. Uh, so the phrase best practice was actually not looked at kindly within Flipkart you were expected to understand why is this a best best practice. And specifically in technology, it was the expectation that you would understand that, oh, this is a best practice for these situations. It works here. And in some of these situations, it starts breaking. Because when you had people, so I'll give you an example of, if you had to design for failure, that's not a common practice in very, very reliable systems. And especially if you had to design for failure in process, The part that a publisher is saying that the book will be available tomorrow, but you know that that's not reliable. Now, how do you model that? If you don't figure out ways of modeling it, then you will end up creating customer experience. That's not what we would be proud of. So challenges like these, you needed people to be thinking about both the business problems and the technology challenges alongside. And without them being able to do both of these, you would end up creating poor customer experience. So basically, we look for first principles and good understanding of customers and business. The one huge positive for Flipkart was that its engineers were also its customers. So we could place ourselves in the customer's shoes fairly easily.
0: Sounds great. Very fascinating. Switching gears and now talking about your head of HR or kind of people leadership role. How did that transition happen? And more interestingly, what are some of the skills you could take with you from whatever you had done prior primarily as an engineering leader? into the head of HR role and what are the things that the head of HR role taught you that you never knew before?
1: Sure so post my head of uh, technology role uh, for a year I was running a couple of interesting startups within Flipkart. One in the digital media space where we had a music app called Flight and ebooks and the other one in the payment space is called PayZipi. Fortunately or unfortunately, both of them, like all three of these products, shut down. So I have enough in terms of failures at, in my resume. But while these were still on, about 10 months into it, Sachin had reached out saying, Nahiyora HR, right? We Basically, we've tried hiring a bunch of people from outside and we were unable to find people who could make simple things work for us. When I took on the HR role, our largest Pain was we were hiring about five people a week for our supply chain where we needed to be hiring about 500 people a week. So how do you crank up an engine that's right now operating at five a week to 500 a week? How do you bring in basic problem solving mindset, break the problem down, figure out where the bottlenecks are? As And you seek a little bit of traditional wisdom. Because not a lot of HR companies had hired 500 people a week uh, or those who were doing it were doing it in very different spaces. So even here, being able to apply fresh thoughts to how you may solve the challenge or what may work, what may not work, was an important piece. And given my own passion and given I count my largest achievement as having built the Flipkart Tech team, this was a no-brainer for me personally that having an opportunity to do that at Flipkart scale was positive, even though the rest of the world, including my own teams, saw it as a emotion, which is funny, but that's how HR is seen.
0: So one lesson was basically applying first principles, fresh thinking, sort of technology problem solving to HR. Were there any others? And then cool. the flip, right? What were the things that HR taught you that you had no idea about before?
1: Oh, absolutely, right. The one other lesson is that it's far easier to do HR, when you are the when you are the leader, when. so doing HR for the technology team as the technology leader is far easier than doing HR for technology when you are not the technology leader. Because unfortunately, as HR, you do not have access to all the levers. So, as a very simple example, uh, there was a point in time where we switched our onboarding from a from a simple two-day induction process to a six-week onboarding process. Now, I had researched it, we had designed it really, really well. But for a business function that was looking for 50 people to join them in the month of August, suddenly them those 50 people being unavailable for a month and a half is a huge hit, right? And to plan for that, to design around it is much harder. And hence, decision-making reduces quite a bit or becomes slower. I think the other thing that's uh, very different and very... In some sense, very challenging with uh, HR is that with tech you can test everything and you can roll back almost all your changes. So you can be highly iterative and experimental in nature, uh, which which suits my uh, which suits my profile quite a bit. That's that's how I operate. With HR, unfortunately, you can't give salary hikes and say, "Acha maybe test karke dekh rahe Or you promote someone and you roll back a promotion aren't things that you can do. So in some sense, the speed at which you can learn reduces quite a bit because your leeway of experimentation is a lot lower compared to doing the same things in technology. So one of the things that I missed most in my HR role was the speed. That in technology, I could operate with far higher speed. With HR, I couldn't operate with far higher speed for... For both reasons that one, the implication of the decisions was that they impacted people and real lives. And second, you couldn't change those decisions easily. Uh, You can't undo a decision in HR uh, easily.
0: Fascinating. Let's say there are, unlikely, but let's say there are HR leaders listening to this podcast. Like what would you advise them? Classic, traditional HR leaders who've uh, done various elements of HR role, but supporting business leaders uh, or technology leaders in their various uh, companies. Uh, later stage startup, what are a few things you would tell them?
1: I would think if HR leaders think of themselves as business leaders solving problems using HR tools, they would probably be far more effective than just HR leaders using HR tools. I think the understanding of business problems, of core challenges and being able to solve them uh, versus implementing systems and processes So why are we doing a performance management system? Should our performance management system be developmental in nature, be evaluative in nature? If, when do you give a bonus and when to give a salary hike? Uh, And in a new startup's case, how do you even think about ESOPs, right? So what's the mental model of capturing value that you are giving away as part of ESOPs? Uh, I think being able to design and think about these from a first principles point of view, would be very, very helpful for a lot of HR leaders. If I had to say two words, it will be as in business first, solve business problems and use HR as the tools to solve those problems.
0: Sounds great. Let's switch gears and talk about what you're doing now. But in particular, what is Udyam trying to accomplish? And what have you learned in the last few years as you've been running it in terms of the grassroots level talent in India, who is going to be the next generation for, of entrepreneurs and so forth?
1: So, as I was exploring education, I realized that our education system does not, not learn. Right? Our education system has not learned much over the last 50-70 years, it hasn't changed much even though the world outside has gone from being a very violent, uh, manufacturing-led world to being now a services, knowledge-based world where careers are changing far more rapidly. But our education system continues to do what it was doing at least a hundred years back. and One of the largest efforts of Udyam has been to enable the education system uh, and as a result youth, be more in touch with the real world, uh, be more prepared for today. And I feel one of the simplest ways of being more prepared for today and tomorrow is to be more entrepreneurial. That phrase, even though for the startup ecosystem, it's catchy, it's sexy, it captures a whole lot of what's happening to the world around us. Just like an entrepreneur's world, the world today is changing very rapidly. And like an entrepreneur needs to be prepared and needs to actually be able to drive the change or at least adapt to the change, uh, so does everyone else. So what we at them do is to basically enable people to be more entrepreneurial, especially young people. We do that through building curriculum, which we've had success in working with state governments. So that government schools start implementing these curriculums. And that curriculum is primarily a curriculum of doing. So it's not a theoretical book-based learning about entrepreneurship or learning about the new world, but actually doing stuff. So for example, a key element of the curriculum is students actually doing a real entrepreneurial project with real money. So we at at Udiam have experimented with about 3,000 students where we've given them money to try out, do something entrepreneurial in a two to six week period. And we've been fascinated by what both the fact that they've been able to try something entrepreneurial and return the money, but the approaches they have taken and in many cases, the kind of decisions that they have made. These aren't typical innovative ideas, but for people, for girls who were unable to talk and introduce themselves to go inside buses or uh, like trouble people by selling things to them has been fascinating personal journeys for them. So we've, and we've been able to get state governments to do things like that. So we've been able to implement them influence curriculum in a couple of states and are in conversations with about six states right now to get the same done in those state government schools too.
0: Fascinating uh Mackin this is this has been really good talking to you lots of interesting exciting insights from Udyam to Flipkart and beyond. We'll try and wrap up here. Thank you so much for being on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having
0: me. listeners thank you so much for listening to this episode of prime venture partners podcast don't forget to subscribe to this show so that you can stay updated with great conversations like these you can share your feedback at a twitter handle at the rate VP underscore in or leave your review on apple podcast or wherever you listen to the show from